Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm Paula and I'm so grateful that you're here. Welcome if you are new. I'm really thrilled to bring you this interview that I did with Holly Kreps, who is a yoga teacher at at her heart. She's uh, much more than that, as you'll find out in this interview, but she's the co-owner of Circle Yoga Shala, which is located in Arkansas. And we talked in depth about saying yes to life and allowing things to unfold, not relying on preferences to guide us, but to really understand ourselves, our purpose, our unfolding from a deeper space of connection to what is real, what is true, what is greater than ourselves. So in so many ways, she really embodies this and she tells different stories that show you how this has unfolded in her life. So this is a really powerful episode. If you're looking to better understand what it means to surrender to what is. So her official bio is that she's a certified yoga therapist with the International Association of Yoga Therapists. And by the way, Circle Yoga Shala is a wonderful, world-renowned place where you can learn yoga therapy. You can become a teacher of yoga therapy. She's also a graduate of Father Richard Rohr's Living School, a non-dual contemplative wisdom school. She's trained and developed teachers at home and abroad for the last 22 years. Circle Yoga Shala, like I said, it's located in her home state of Arkansas in the Ozarks. They offer yoga training up to 1,000 hour yoga therapy program. They grow their own food, they engage in eco-conscious practices, and they rescue horses, which we talk about here, how that came about, how horses are thousand pound feedback loop for us to come into presence. Holly's understanding of yoga is as an integrative system which has allowed her to find herself with unique opportunities such as consulting for the Czech Republic's Olympic women's beach volleyball team. So she works with athletes, private clients, yoga teachers in training, and focuses on discovering patterns of habitual behavior that interfere with the flow state, the generative ground of creativity, vitality, and intelligent responses. Her passion is helping others connect deeply with who they are, free from stories, past emotions and beliefs, and without negating those life experiences. I have also had the pleasure of working with Holly, and we talk about how she came to that container, the program that she's developed, which is called Unbridled Transformation. You can also connect with her if you'd like to join that program and get some powerful teachings from her in the six-month container. This is something that I helped her develop. She had the idea, the vision, and I've helped her create the container, the marketing to understand what, what kind of blocks that she's experiencing, which she talks about around marketing, really help her feel empowered to take the next step so that she can provide this powerful container to help other people transform. So if you are interested in working with me in a one-on-one capacity, I do have very limited openings starting in July for those spiritual entrepreneurs who are looking to make a really big leap in their business. They want it to be thriving 
income wise, but also you want to just wake up and love what it is that you're doing. So what I do is I help people really align with their zone of genius based on their astrology, their birth chart. But then we go deeper because I have 15 years of strategic experience building businesses, working in social media, working in publicity, working in copy and editing and marketing. That's all of my background. So I bring that to the table and really help you develop an online offering that's going to help you bring in that thriving income and also make a bigger impact on the community that you're building. So if that's interesting to you, do go book a call. I do have only limited spots in in July and my prices are going up in August. So if you've been thinking about it, I highly recommend jumping on a call with me and just talking it through. Okay, so here is Holly. I hope you enjoy the interview and have a wonderful day. Hello, Holly. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, good morning. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here. You have such a fascinating story and journey. And so I'm curious if you could bring us back to the beginning. I'm curious if you were raised in a spiritual context and how you first encountered yoga. That's a really, really really great question. When you said, can we go back to the beginning? I thought, well, which beginning? You know, there's so many beginnings. It's like, I can't even trace, like I say, this happened then. And it's like, well, no, but it came because of this. And it came because of that. I'll start with the first question. Was I raised with a, in a home of a spiritual context? I was raised in a, um, a Catholic home and went to Catholic schools. Uh, my mother actually left my father when, when we were four and we left the state and moved to the beaches of North Carolina. So really she was trying to honor her ex-husband, my father's side of the family, which were devout Catholics, you know, the archbishop or whatever still comes, you know, goes, comes over for dinner type thing. So I was raised, um, with that, but also because of my mother, I think I, I got a much broader context. She was very spiritual without having claimed any particular path. Like she was just really open to everything. She was a seeker and she exposed me to many things. My stepfather at that time, eventually, you know, they came together when I was like six or seven. He was a meditator. I remember there being a meditation room in the house. And I remember lots of spiritual talks, like their circles. You know, we're talking about in the late 60s, early 70s. So it's that time period, right? So a lot of altered states, <laughs> a lot of spiritual discussions. And, you know, I didn't really understand that, you know, what was actually happening with them at that, that time, but I was exposed to that. And I can't, I've actually never thought about that. Like I've, this is like, coming out of my mouth for the first time as far as relating to to that past. But I know that it had to have some influence. For me, I'll just tell you, as a child, I felt connected. Like I remember um, having a time where I knew that there was, I'll say God, but it's not like I think it's not a, it's not a form. It's not an object or a person. But I knew there was God and I was a part of it. I felt really connected. And as a child, I saw, you know, wasn't a big deal at that time, but I saw spirits as a child. You know, so I I just was deeply connected to what I would call spirit. Um, I was also raised in an alcoholic home and um, alcoholism is part of our, our family lineage, you know. So at some point, and I had my first drink, you know, at five. Because it was like something that was cute, you know, 
I remember at that moment having that drink and in that and immediately being overtaken with the same feeling that I that I related to at one and two and three. Like I have really early memories and uh, being of just complete warmth and everything coming into clear picture and um, union. So, you know, what happened from there? I confused that experience with the with the source of the experience, which was alcohol. And, you know, as a blackout drinker by 14, no longer feeling connected. <laughs> so I kind of started overriding many things. You know, I guess I can say I was grappling with these things really early on as a child, you know, feeling deeply connected, then feeling very disconnected and afraid, um, knowing that there's something is wrong. Right. What I was beginning to experience in my family and in my home and then in myself was not was not the truth of things that it was it's like a, a really serious disconnect that feels almost like a deep cut, like having, you know, an arm cut off, like a deep, deep wound, a deep cut. I can look at most of my teenage years and then my young adult life of trying to get back to that place as a child where I felt safe. I felt connected. I knew that there was a purpose. It's just a knowing. There's really no words to like say it's this. It's more of an experience. And I was chasing how to get back to that. And, and drugs and alcohol did that in fleeting moments, which is mean you lose the sense of yourself. You lose your story. You lose your traumas. You lose your, your um, pains. And you fall into, mm-hmm. you know, freedom. It's not actually real. And you can't say that it's not real either. Right. It's both. <laughs> it's not the source. Yeah, but there's and, consequences. It's not the yeah. source. Yeah. yeah. It's not the source, but can point you there. But most people right. confuse these experiences with the form rather than a point away towards something. Right. If that makes sense. So. Yeah. And it really, you know, it reminds me of Ram Dass's story of like starting with LSD and then realizing meditation could get him there. And it was more serene or more like less uh, intense or messy, maybe. So how did you first find yoga? Where did that come in? And how did that impact you when you first encountered it? Yeah, that was a complete surprise. And at 27, I entered into the recovery tradition. I had run the course by 27. I'd done everything, right? I had looked for myself and looked for that relationship with the divine in every form I could come up with. Like I did all the geographical cures, the people cures, the, you know, form, 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 and ran through the fact that it was not going to be found there. And no matter what I did, there I was still in the same situation. So I joined, um, you know, a recovery program, started working the steps. And one of the things that I feel really comfortable in saying is I I feel like the big book, um, that the 12 steps, the wisdom of Bill W. Um, I feel like it's a channeled work. I really do like Course in Miracles and like many things. And I think it's the great, the West, great contribution to the perennial spiritual text of the world. And I know on the surface, it doesn't look that way. It looks like for people who are too inept to, to manage their life and need a set of rules and somebody to tell them what they do, what to do. And it looks really controlling and like church or whatever. 
it's an organic, living, breathing, uh, alive system. And I find the teachings, you know, in all of the other teachings, I can parallel them. I'm doing that work for a while of paralleling the wisdom of the steps to yoga. But to answer your question, so was working the steps and took them in with great earnestness and really wanted to heal my past and forgive. And that included me in that. And I left the Catholic faith when I was in my teenage years. I left the Catholic school and that caused a lot of pain in my family. Like I, I actually didn't have a real relationship with my grandparents until um, I'd say more like I was 30 as a result of, as a result of that. So I joined um, Holy Souls was the church that actually was living across the street from with my, with my child. I was a single mother with a, with a toddler and I found myself in as a family church that I actually family school and all of that. Like my aunt worked in the office, you know, you can walk the halls and see my family's pictures as children back in the 50s, you know, so deep roots. And I asked them to go back through the, to go through the year program that people who are not Catholic go through to convert. And they thought I was crazy because once a Catholic, always a Catholic, and you've got this history. But I was wanting to understand something. And something was telling me that there was more depth to the church than what was being presented that there was great wisdom there in, in the Catholicism, the universal teachings. And so I wanted to go in and give the church, this is going to sound so arrogant, to give the church the right to be wrong. And at the same time, doing that for myself. Now, I didn't want to become like start being Catholic again, but I really wanted to just, it caused so much pain is what I want to say. And one of the sisters, one of the nuns said, Holly, you know, and I, because of the program had already come to meditation, like my life was, was really changing and it was amazing time of healing. And she said, my goodness, Holly, you know, with what you're doing and what you're reading and what you're sharing and how, how, you know, the Holy Spirit is touching, you know, that this is the last place you need to be. And I said, this is exactly where I need to be like, you know, to humble myself and to right this wrong. And it was from that experience I met a priest from Portugal who was a yogi, <laughs> Father Gomes. I'll never forget his name. And so this is interesting. You know, only a couple of people actually know this piece. And here we are on a podcast. So it's like, I don't know how many people are going to know this now, but I can't not anyway go with the moment. So because of meditation and, and what was happening, which is really coming from a complete surrendered life, I had really surrendered. Like, whatever you want. And that means losing everything, everything that our survival system is designed to not have happen. That means being kicked out of the tribe, being seen as a failure, being seen as somebody who wasn't trustworthy, being, being, being. You'd say, well, you were an alcoholic and you were in the program at 27. Didn't all that happen? No, the bottom was a deep insight. I didn't have the wreckage that a lot of people had of DUIs. And, but yet I did, mm -hmm. but it all looked, looked like everybody else, right? 
Yeah, for the astrology people out there, you know, Holly has Venus in the first house in Libra. So there's a sense of like, you're always going to land on your feet. You always will get to the point of knowing yourself, you know, which is a really beautiful quality. And it makes it on the on the surface, things look shiny, even though they're not right. Absolutely. <laughs> like nobody knew, you know, what was going on. They were all shocked. And I was like, how could you be shocked? You're completely surrendering everything that goes against the system of survival that is our operating system. It's not wrong, right? It's the way it works. It's, it, it helps us, but it also gets in the way of the, of what we actually want when we step on the spiritual life, which is waking up, waking up to our inherent divinity is the words I'll use. Some say higher self, you know, all these other languages or terms. So I had, through that, I had a full active Kundalini experience, which I had never heard that word before. Um, I didn't know what it was, and there was a lot happening. And I guess that was uh, people were witnessing things, <laughs> transformations in me that also you could see. At the time I was going through that, I mean, I was just deeply in love with everything. Like, like the world had a completely different quality and. There was a priest there that actually came up to me and, and he said something and he used the word Kundalini and I was taken back and, and I thought, why are you? And I don't even remember that it was a negative thing. I remember that, but I didn't know anything about it. And I just knew that life was blasting through me. So I actually got a phone call setting up an appointment with the archdiocese priest that does exorcisms. I was floored. And, you know, I was 28 at this time. I mean, you know, in trying to take care of a, a child. And so at the same time, I met Father Gomes and he was the priest for the um, Catholic hospital. And he asked me to come visit him. And when I did, I told him, I said, I've got this appointment and I don't understand why. He asked me there because he wanted us just to sit together and we would sit and we'd meditate and then we'd sit and share our experiences. Then in that, I said, you know, this other thing is happening and I don't understand. And that's when he said, my dear, you're having a Kundalini experience. And I said, oh my God, there's that word again. I don't understand. And he said, I choose to call it the Holy Spirit. And he said, and the thing with the archdiocese, once they, once they, once they want to put their thumb on you, your life's not yours anymore, like many other systems. And I was terrified. And this beautiful little priest, um, yogi priest, just stepped in and said, I will call them and tell them you're under my guidance and I'll protect you. Then I want you to come and meet with me every week. And what we started doing was, is he started opening the text of the Eastern text to me, the Upanishads, the Bhagavad Gita. Mm. And that's amazing. It is. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh God, is this heresy? You know, can I do this? And that's when he would start paralleling the Eastern text to the real teachings of our heritage of, of Catholicism and the gospels mm. and started bringing those. And we started doing posture together. And what he told me was, you know, it's beautiful what you're doing to heal yourself with the Catholic church. And the, really the purpose of that was for this. And it was, mm. you know, what if I hadn't chosen to say, oh no, they're wrong. 
they were wrong. They were unjust mm-hmm. to women. It's this and that. And I'm right. Where mm-hmm. would I be? I'd be somewhere, but I wouldn't be here. Like you and I wouldn't be talking. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, it's in, really fascinating. Yeah. So in wanting to become open and really staying surrendered of following the next right thing, even though my mind doesn't agree with it and my preferences can say otherwise, right? All of these things, but still just trusting everything as it comes and then stepping into it without knowing, which goes against the survival system too, brought me to him. And he opened up the Eastern text and told me, you will not find the support you need in the Catholic church. And you can see how the deep teachings are the same, but you won't find your home here. It's not going to bring you to your home. And here you will have the support from the Eastern teachings. You will find it here. And he opened that up. We started studying and that started my path. It's such a beautiful story. It's so meaningful. Something that I've noticed about you that's led you, you know, to the farm that you're on, which I also want to talk about to your partner, you know, that is like your intuition. You've just really listened to something deep within yourself and I think allowed the path to unfold. So I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about that and, you know, has that come out of this initial experience and how do you relate to that? I would say yes. <laughs> like yes and yes and yes. I think that that time in the initial stages of recovery laid the foundation for being able to do what we do now. And I was getting, because what it's taken is a continuum of a life in acceptance and surrender. That doesn't mean that I don't plan and I don't have goals and, you know, don't put strategies and work towards things. But, but the foundation of it is acceptance and surrender. And so the fastest way out of a problem is to, is to, you know, is to see it, to know it, to be mistaken. <laughs> like I love being wrong, right? <laughs> because as soon as I realize I'm wrong, there's no problem anymore. <laughs> and so in how to surrender and I'll kind of give you um, something I was, rem- I came back up through a conversation over the weekend that I'd really kind of forgotten about. This thing about how did you get here? You know, we had our mentors, our teachers, our 500 hour teachers, and some of them are yoga therapists that mentor in our advanced programs. And we let them come. We invite them and not let them. We were like, please give us the privilege of your presence. And so we can thank you for, for their service to um, other teachers and training. And, and there's some new changes and some of them have been with us now, you know, for 10 years and they see the thing. They're like, I just don't know how this happens. And so I, I was reminded of this, this story. So maybe that was so I could share it now. It wasn't, you know, in new and recovery and in having all these, like there were some magical, what I call more like mystical, mysterious, like incredible things happening. And it was hard. It was still like really hard. So one instance was I had, um, I think I actually wrote about this in the newsletter the day after, after result of this um, memory. I had um, just gotten a new job. I was really proud of it. was my, my foray into corporate America, which I had a good stint with. And they paid out once a month. And I had just gotten the job at the beginning of the pay period. Um, I literally had only $5 in my purse. I had a quarter of a tank of gas. 
And if I looked in my cabinet, you know, I had enough food. If I thought, well, if I'm going to feed me and my son, who was like, you know, three at the time, I could get, I could get us two days, feed both of us. One of us, you know, him, for, you know, for four, four days or both of us for two. So I chose to feed him. So we'd say, well, that sounds terrible. Well, by accepting the situation, this is my situation and accepting it, then instead of recoiling from it, shutting down from it, going into the mechanicalness of all of the stories, it's like full acceptance was, then there's an opening to the potential of what's this about, right? It's the potential of like, what now? It's like curiosity or wonder, like that kind of softness and openness that allows the answers that are within us, the deep intelligence that is not separate from the intelligence of the entire cosmos to arise. But if I'm shut down, I can't access that. And we're so used to having to go and get stuff. I got to go get some information. I got to go get something rather than I got to come in. I have what I need. That's counterintuitive when you're hungry. But what came up was learn to fast. I didn't know anything about fasting. And like, I didn't know about Kundalini. It was like, I hear, I heard this, I heard, you know, this direct, this guidance, learn to fast. So I began to fast. And for me, what that means is I began to eat prayer, not foxhole prayers, <laughs> but gratitude prayers. And it's amazing how much energy arises. And it also helps the system. There's so many levels of, of goodness from there. And then there's this other thing that happens. So it's about saying yes. How do I say yes to what's happening? A neighbor a child, she's probably, I don't know, she's elementary school age, another single mother. She came down, knocked on my door and said, Miss Holly, do you have any chores for me? Somebody, you know, might, right? And it'd be like, no, don't ask me this. And I looked in her face and I just said, yes, I got $5 worth. And I gave her my $5. There was a, that was another day, you know, and I'm still fasting. But on that day, my son was being picked up by his father, you know, who wasn't actually contributing at the time. He would say, well, where was he? That's irrelevant. I don't need to go down that. But he was being picked up by him. And so I gave her my $5. She did her chores. And then it was like the mind started, oh, my God, what, are you, what have you done? What In fear and all the normal things. And I softened and I surrendered and I accepted this is where I am. And so take a different action, move from intelligence. So I put on my sneakers and I took off running. I thought, I'm going to run. And that took me up to a part of the community, the neighborhood that was, you know, half mile or a mile up the road, where there's all these shops where all these beautiful families are and they're all happy and prosperous, you know, appearance wise and all that. And I could smell steak. And just so I'm like, okay, I'll just eat, I'll just eat the smell. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just take that in, you know, and I was just running and, and I saw this man doing this and I looked down in one of these bookstores, it was a Catholic bookstore, by the way, which is interesting, who had a meditation space in the back that I would go and sit in. And she decided that she'd strike up the grill on the patio of her bookstore that night because she just wanted to meet more of the community. And there was a man there that was an old family friend that was in recovery who was just like, Holly, 
Holly. And I turned, I'm like, Oh my goodness. He's my father's age. And I was like, Oh, so happy to see you. And he said, my wife is out of town traveling and I was going to, and Faye called me to come down and have a steak with her. And I was going to be eating alone. Would you join me? (laughs) And I'm just like tears to start. Yes. Uh You know, and that's how my life has continued since then. And so, which taught me how to surrender and say yes to what's happening, even though it doesn't make any sense. And it goes against everything that we're just, you know, the operating system is designed to do to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's not wrong, right? We're, we're here, right? But it's not whole, it's not whole. And so the farm really came about like that. I met my husband. Yeah, Tell us more. Well, I was working for CBS and I was then now studying with Sri Anandama and her husband, uh, Dalipshi, and they're from the Dayan Yogiji lineage. And I was out in California and it was one of my many trips out there to, to sit with her, um, and to study and, and practice in that lineage. And I'd been out there in the big giant trees of Santa Cruz and, you know, having a pretty, limited diet. And I came back home and I didn't want to break my fast very quickly because I considered it fast when you're just eating a couple of, you know, small things and, um, for five days. And, um, so I went to the health food store and I bought some quinoa cause we'd been living on that for five days. And, you know, then it's like, I didn't know you made it like rice. I'm like, how do you make this? Uh-huh. And nobody could answer me. It's during headlights. And they went and got Matthew and, and he told me how to make it. By the way, I, I never made it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's a cook. <laughs> so I, I never yeah. ended up making it for myself. Certainly I know how to now, but so Matt and I met and he was an Ashtanga yogi practitioner. You know, this is in the early nineties. There weren't really studios, certainly not in Arkansas. He was a chef and a drummer and um, had carpal tunnel and they wanted to operate. And so he, and he was also a philosophy major. And so he sought out the physical practice of yoga to heal his carpal tunnel, which he did. And he had a two hour, very disciplined Ashtanga practice. And by that time I had a very long, intense two hour devotional meditation and bhakti practice. Both of us were still studying and we're studying the Gita when we met. And so it was, you know, one of those things where, you know, you just, it's the knowing. Um, and we began to practice with each other. He started introducing more to the physical postures, which certainly helped my sitting practice. And then I started introducing him more to the other aspect of yoga, which is the meditation. And then we continue to study the philosophy because all of that goes to supporting how to work with this, this mind, body, mind system. And to really know thyself and know how it works so that you're not confused about what you do and then the consequences of them. So that was, you know, 24 years ago. And we have basically lived, you know, studied and lived and taught together 24 seven, you know, since then. We had, um, ended up at a running a studio in Little Rock for 10 years and built an amazing community. Um, of practitioners and studiers and your teacher and dear friend, Dr. Robert Svoboda was, was part of that history of coming to the studio. You know, we were just really blessed with amazing teachers and people really wanting to study. And because of, you know, the studies of Ayurveda um, as a sister science of yoga, 
being him being a chef and food, we really wanted a a means of which to be able to serve our our students, our friends, our practitioners, our in a way that there was really no disconnect in what we were doing. There we really could immerse. You know, it's hard to immerse in a community, although we did, you know, in a studio, although we did, um, but really get into the lifestyle. And that's actually not complete of an answer. That's just like a piece of it. Well, let me pull a thread here, which is when I first met you, it was so fascinating because you are like, what, nine years into your farm? Is that right? It was 13 years, uh, June 3rd, so just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So 13 years in and you've built this beautiful retreat center where, you know, people are coming. You're like a world renowned yoga therapy school, circle yoga shalas for people People who are interested, you can see in the show notes, we'll have the link so you can check it out. But you built something from what you call, and I'm just using your words, a ramshackle farm into this beautiful thing, you know? And so we were two years into our journey on our farm with similar visions. So maybe you can just talk about like that early on, just trusting, trusting so hard (laughs) (laughs) that it's going to come to be, you know? Yeah. When I had that initial period of that really big awakening, I had in one of my meditations, it was really clear, sat down, absorption was very easy at that time. Um, I had this vision of, I saw myself, I was sitting in circle, I was sitting on the ground and it was clearly a community. It was teaching, but it didn't have, it wasn't like an ashram. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't a cult. (laughs) It was just real simple people being together. And what I knew was, is that it was my land and that I was facilitating. I thought, you know, that's just really beautiful. I didn't understand, didn't matter. And I let it go. And it was probably about 10 years later that it's like the light bulb switched on, like that vision came back full on in my face. And it was just this thing inside that said, you have to get to land. It's time to get to land. You need to, it's time to move. And we're in the middle of, of renovating, you know, growing the studio. We had 10 teachers supporting a lot. You know, our overhead was six, $7,000 back then teaching yoga. And both of us, you know, supporting two children in a metropolitan area and, you know, through school. And it was a lot. And, you know, one, we're yogis, you know, we're not gonna be able to get a loan. <laughs> so it's not like we had amassed wealth, right? Um, and a lot of assets and the assets we did have, we were going to have to sell. So there goes your collateral for a loan. So it really didn't make sense, but it was like, Ugh. so um, over the years, uh, clients would come and they'd want to work with us. And then they would say, Oh, I've been wanting to do a wellness center. I'm wanting to do a retreat center. Let's partner. You know, we've got the money, you've got the knowledge. And so we would just follow through with that. And the um, last time I followed through with that was a client that we were, she had MS and Matt was a private chef for them. And we're also teaching them privately and all these other things. And they'd looked, we'd looked in Maine where, you know, where you've settled literally all over the country, including Fiji. And then the last place was Germany. And, <laughs> and um, so being on the road with somebody for three weeks, um, uh, it's like, you know, it became really clear that there were some deeper problems that I couldn't, that was a deal breaker, which was, which is fine. Everybody's where they're supposed to be. I came back home and said, I'm, I'm done. I don't know what this I'm, but I'm done. And let's mm-hmm. just, focus on what we've got in front of us. Let's just do that. 
And three weeks later, we got a call that brought us up here to the Ozarks. And I wanted anywhere but the state, <laughs> to be honest. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm from Oklahoma. And so I am curious about that, too, is like you go back to where you're from. If that was where I was called, I would probably do it. But Oklahoma is an interesting place. So and it's the same kind of Ozark vibe. Yes, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> same, similar mindsets, right? Same, a lot of parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, it was brought, we were brought though up to this part of the state, which is really pretty stunning. You know, it's one of those hidden gems that you forget about. It's only 30% occupancy of people. Um, it's the poorest county in the state. Uh, the closest grocery store, which is not, you know, that exciting is 25 minutes away. The closest real metropolitan area is in over an hour and a half, you know, three hours from an airport, <laughs> you know, so not a really smart business model yeah. at all. And, um, <laughs> but we were brought up here and we actually were looking at another piece of land and they were going to own our finance. And it was really incredible. And I'd actually been there on retreat with my mother, like, you know, 12 years before that. But every time we would come up here, it was like it was a different day. It's like whatever we had discussed and it was like we we're starting over. It was this constant. And we would go home and Matt say, well, that's done. And then I'd wake up and it'd be like, I have to go back. Something kept bringing me back. And the very last time we were having breakfast and I thought we'd like worked it out again. And then she made this comment to me, Holly, if you're not ready to make a serious offer, can you let me know by Monday? Cause I'm going to post it on greenhomesforsale.com. First off, it would be like, I've been making an offer this whole time and we've been agreeing to it. So that's ships passing in the night, right? More like the Titanic. It's very confusing. But instead of getting caught on that, when she said greenhomesforsale.com, everything in my body said, leave and get to the computer. And as Matt would say, it's the fastest goodbye I've ever done. We drove three hours home and I got on the computer and our, this property that we're on, I'm not actually in that property now. I'm at my, my friend's next door. So for some privacy, yeah, the property was on there. So I called her and she's like, uh, that's not even supposed to be on there. Uh, they're supposed to have taken it down six weeks ago, but why don't you come on up? So we turned around the next day and drove up here. And because of the cell, lack of cell signal, she was trying to reach us. And we got here and there was a cash offer on the table. And the property looked like a, like a bomb had gone off overall. I mean, it was a mess. It was a red hot mess. Matt was just like in shock and we were in the middle of nowhere and trash everywhere. Like it was a real hill, not to be defense, offensive to anybody. But it was a real hillbilly ex- extravaganza. <laughs> what you would imagine. (laughs) And um, so I looked at her and I said, Oh, interesting. She goes, I've got a cash offer. I've been trying to call you. And I said, lovely. Matt started to open his mouth and I grabbed his hand. I said, let us, can we look around the property? So we started walking it and we walked from end to end and walked the woods and by ourselves. And Matt's like, what in the world? What are we doing here? What in the world? But I knew there was a reason. And it didn't mean that this was ours. It meant that there was a reason. And I'm going to keep like from the very beginning, I'm going to say yes. I got to keep saying yes to what's showing up. There's a reason. So be in it. Like you're going on a great hunt, you know? (laughs) So we walked the whole property and we came back up and I said, is there any more? Because nothing was happening. I said, is there anything else? And she goes, well, the property goes down over there too. I said, okay, great. You mind if I go look? 
So we walked down over this hill and it opened up to this big circle and it was winter. So it was all rock face views. And it was just this perfect circle down in the deal. And the same thing, my body just like everything just said, you're home. And again, I heard, you know, I heard this, this inner voice that said, this is it. This is healing land. This is your ceremony ground. And so to make sense of that, you know, I was invited into the Lakota tradition 23 years ago. Um, and that's part of my practice too. And so you and I have so much in common quest and (laughs) yeah, Sundance vision quest and, and sweat lodge. And and so I have an intercessor who's Lakota, who's a Sundance chief, and we've been given permission for all those that are going this, you're a white woman. What are you talking about? Um, (laughs) It's a whole other thing, but it, but everything said, this is where the sweat lodge is. This is where that Anipi is going to go. And this is the land's, you know, been waiting for this. So many miracles have come that affirms that. That's like a whole, we could, I could talk for hours just sharing miracle after miracle after miracle for people, you know, and how that the land served in that way. But I walked back up. I thought, well, we don't have cash and I can't get a loan. But I just heard this is, this is what the land wants to do. And so I looked at her and I, and I humbled myself again and said, let me tell you who we are, which is no one you know, yogis, (laughs) we have no money. I'm going to have to sell everything, sell everything. I won't be able to get a loan. Um, But this is what I've been shown. This is what I believe to be true. And this is what I want to do. And she looked at me and said, you know, my husband's in the Antarctic. What? Ozarks to the Antarctic. (laughs) And he's a a PhD oceanographer. And he goes for six months at a time. And he's not home for six months, which is why this is not supposed to be listed because I don't live here anymore. It's too much for me to take care of. So can we, I don't want to keep coming back. And so can you, you've got six months. I'll work with you. I don't okay. know who the cash offer is. I don't, but I know I don't like the realtor. <laughs> and so uh-huh. I'll just tell them no. And you've got six months. And Amazing. It is. And so we went back home and we prayed and brought our most trusted friends in to talk to them about it and tell them what was happening. And then like things go, it was hard. It was hard AF (laughs) and couldn't keep up with how fast the universe was moving. And it was hard as, as in six months later, I didn't see the property again. And we arrived six months later, literally with only $20,000 to our name, period. We had no business. And as a person who has a farm, like that doesn't sound like a lot, you know, (laughs) knowing what I know about how farm costs add up. Yeah. We didn't have a hoe. We didn't have a saw. We didn't have a mower. We didn't have any (laughs) seeds. We didn't have any skills other than, you know, (laughs) yoga. And, and, but we were out of money in four months. And, um, but we've been going that way for 13 years and it's been a life of being surrendered and accepting the situation, being present with what's happening, which doesn't mean liking it, but, but softening into it so that the experience can be digested rather than leaving psychological scars and more stuff to have to, you know, digest later. But, you know, doing yoga, which is a full embodiment of what's happening and trusting the thing, trusting the order of things and, Somehow, you know, with chicken coops and trash and literally like hovels, it's still rustic and beautiful, but it's beautiful. And 
um, unique and it's mostly sustainable, you know, materials off the land. We had no choice in that. And it's just been one unfolding of one incredible miracle. And somehow we're now an internationally accredited yoga therapy school. And we have people that come from all over the world to this little humble farm in the middle of nowhere yeah, to study and to learn to be of service to others. And that's the thing. I am thrilled to share with you an opportunity to get a hold of my handpicked lay low dates for 2022, as well as success dates to help you with launches, with signing contracts, with making big decisions in your business. If you would like that, it's called the 2022 astrology guidebook, and it's at my website, weaveyourbliss.com. You'll see it right at the top in the red bar. So get a hold of it. It's $33 and 100% of profits go to an Indigenous-led environmental organization. So I hope that's a huge help for you. Also, there's a link where you can drop it directly into your Google Calendar, meaning it's all there for you. You don't have to do anything and you can plan around those dates. So I hope that's helpful to you. I love that. And I want to make sure we talk about some key residents on the farm, which is the horses. So can you talk a a little bit about that work? That was a surprise. I didn't expect to... No, I didn't expect that at all. But the first horse came, which is Schwarte Diamant, and he's a Frisian. And again, you know, Martha Stewart has Frisian. So it's like, I couldn't afford a Frisian. You know, Kim Kardashian has Frisian. (laughs) And so it's not like I could afford a Frisian. But another miracle came. And when I met him, when I, when I met him, it really was like meeting yourself, like that soul person, like Matthew is like, where have you been? It was like a reunion. It was a coming home. It was something that was, I will never be able to put into words. And the owner experienced that, saw that, witnessed that and said, I don't, what just happened? And she was selling them and, but then couldn't and said, I, I can't do that. I know he's supposed to be with you. And so we worked out a long a trade work exchange and he began to teach me. He's so intelligent. And so I grew up, you know, working in stables because I loved horses, but, but they were just something that was, they were beautiful. And every little girl loves a pony, right? That kind of thing. But when he came, he began to teach me. Like they're the, as the four leggeds, I'll say they're the closest thing to human as I've come across in a deep, deep intelligence. And to, and he demanded, he demanded my presence. He began to unfold and show me, like Father Gom showed, showed me the parallels of yoga, our Western, you know, I would call it our, our Orthodox, you know, Catholic church, which is not Western, by the way. But, but that aspect of Catholic church, now I've been seeing like the parallels of yoga and recovery. He showed me the parallels of their intelligence and what it requires to join up with them, to relate and to come into this union was the same invitation and uh, the requirement that the yoga teachings and the techniques are trying to get us to embody to do. And so... It started there and slowly, you know, I said yes to other horses that were presenting themselves, not knowing what I was doing and then began to needed rescuing. Just, just to clarify. Yes. It needed rescuing. And 
over the last few years, you know, I've had an average of four. And then finding at times with students um, and our teachers in training, when we get to really having stabilized and laid a foundation to really work with the mind and understand presence, not from a concept and to get it off the Zafu and the yoga mat and into life where when emotions happening, when stress is happening, when you're not getting what you want, you don't have the perfect environment, like the incense and the sounds and the lighting and the silence right? In life and how to embody that. Then I've started over the years, just organically taking uh, teachers and training and students to the horses as an interface, not really knowing anything, but open to seeing and experiencing and learning. And so that's where I am. And now I have seven horses and I thought I would just keep it this little small thing, but what's happening now, which is really kind of shocking And another moment of going, what is happening and going, okay, (laughs) because we're just now like 13 years and we're finally stable. Now, I mean, stable, like I can pay teachers and I can pay my bills and we're not living in crisis. You know, life still happens. Bad stuff still goes on, you know, but we're not in crisis. This whole, you know, in in that regard, as far as like, oh, you know, how's this going to work? And now I'm being asked, it seems like, to go into a full-on rescue center. I'm also hearing um, a hospice, a horse hospice type thing, you know, so that these elder, our elders can be loved and loved into their passing and with dignity instead of these slaughter meals um, that's happening, the slaughter pipeline. This is a very expensive endeavor. I don't know how it's going to happen, right? But I, but I know that I'm saying yes, it's, and I can't wait to find out. It's so fascinating because you know we've been working together, which has been beautiful. And I want to talk about your program that combines all of these things. But just like to give the listeners kind of a sense of how money karma works, like you have this beautiful karma to receive, but you also have this karma to pay out things. And so like, as it grows, as like your mission grows, the money comes in to fulfill the mission. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's always there. It's always coming in, but it sometimes feels like there's like an adjustment period where you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) what's happening? What is happening? (laughs) Yes. Because it's always coming in, but it's always, always going out. You know, our life looks rich and it is in a fullness of what you might think of that word, but you know, we let go of, I don't have retirement anymore. We don't have a savings anymore. It's just that trust of this is coming in and now this is what's needed. It's coming in. It's all about a life of service. What I know is that in that our needs are going to be met. It's not being naive. Like what do you don't have a plan? You know, what about, you know, when you're old and and you're sick, (laughs) you know, It's, it's not that I don't have a plan. I do think about those things and my life is so much better than my plans. I couldn't have planned any of this. And so I'm more comfortable surrendering into whatever it is that life wants for me. When I say life, I mean that divine intelligence. What does it want for me? And whatever, because what I want is to live an awake life, to be free of the burden of myself, which is... yeah. Um, you know, does that make sense? So then to do that, then trusting life, 
One thing we've been working on is this program that you've been really like you brought the vision. You really wanted to bring this thing forward. And I've been helping you figure out how to talk about it, how to help people understand what this opportunity is. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that and how like yoga, horses and inquiry, all, how do these all come together? That's a big question. And it's a beautiful one. Yoga really is a system. This is just me. So it's my opinion, right? So take it for what it's whatever. Everybody can have their own. But for me, it is a system for understanding the operating system, oper- you know, understanding the mind. And so many think that you know, to enter into a spiritual life is means to kill the ego. There's all these misunderstandings. And it's like, no, understand how it works. Everything has a purpose. And, you know, it gets in the way of understanding the, the whole system, how it all works, the inherent intelligence, the inherent, you know, essence of who we are in divinity and how to work with the mind. You know, that's really what I teach, which means how to embody reality so that the heart can, can stand, right? So we can move from that place. And that has nothing to do with preference and getting more of what we want and less of what we don't in order to experience more pleasure and avoid pain. That means saying yes to all of that. So for me, that's working with people of how to use yoga to be able to stabilize them in their lives, to be able to not negate their history, not negate their traumas, not to negate all that, but to be able to go through that to get to the suchness, this is going to be improper grammar, but the suchness of, of them, of who they are. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. And then the horses come together to mirror when embodiment, when we've actually dropped below the operating system of trying to strategize and manipulate and control, even when it's done so nicely, right? Even when it's all shined up. The horses know when the outsides and insides aren't congruent. So it gets these things out of concept and into reality, into a feedback loop that wants nothing from you so that there's a stabilization and an opportunity to receive in a way that you can then eat it, take it in as the food and digest it so that then it can be used uh, to be out to do it in the world to do it with your beloved, to do it with your bosses, to do it in relationship with everything that's happening. The movements are where what's happening is, you know, we spent 13 years. I've been teaching teachers for 22 years and I've had the privilege of traveling all around the world and students coming from around the world and, and teaching them how to be really elegant teachers to interface with the population and to teach them how yoga adapts to us. We don't adapt to it. And developing yoga therapists that are really able to be of service. And I thought I would be doing that until my last breath. And I am still doing that until my last breath, but slowly of being pulled out of the, tr- the formal training setting and being called to really do what happens in those training settings where these moments of where yoga happens. And then the power of sitting in circle and witnessing and doing inquiry of going deep within where everything is allowed and everything is loved. It's these moments of just, just so much sweetness, but then you got to keep, then you got to get back to biomechanics and then you got to get to the business of yoga. 
what I really, what's coming up is the movement of doing what I love so much and what I feel like is the full essence of the, of the yoga teaching and doing that more specifically, directly, without having to, to teach all these other things, without having all these other aims, but really be able to be with people and be of service to meet them where they are and to love them through that so that they have a foundation to keep coming back to over and over that is more true than their mind will ever be. And that's not to make mind wrong, but how to find that foundational center of okayness to move from when life is doing this. And so that internal compass, it doesn't mean they're going to have to blow up their lives like like I did, but really I don't see a life that was blown up. It was just a a life that was now being led by a deeper intelligence. So that's going to take on different forms for everybody. And it might look really mundane. My life is actually very mundane. It includes dirt and chickens and, you know, mowing and, but, you know, so how to be able to, how to wake up to the profundity of the mundane and the beauty that everybody is without where nothing has to be added to you and nothing can be taken away from you. That's my interest. And so this, you know, the, the calling came up like all the other ones. And then, you know, my mind says, but wait, but wait, I, but wait. And it's like, no, it's time to make, it's time to grow again. It's time to keep going and saying yes. And the horses are a big part of that because as these rescues are coming and the needs are are presenting themselves, you know, not sure how, you know, why, like I saw them as two separate things and now realizing, no, they're the same. They actually are going to support each other, supporting people and supporting them, that that's the service now. And working with you really brought that to light. You know, when we first got together, I was in triage situation with the horses and bleeding money in winter when we don't have a lot going on. And feeling this calling and going, what is happening? And am I being irresponsible? And, you know, our life is good and stable, quit rocking the boat. And then it's that same thing of like, here's, yes, here's the $5. It's like, I can't not do this. Can't not give you it. <laughs> and it was really funny. We, we got together and you did my chart and I'm saying, well, I just got to just, I just got to spew this really quick. I just got to just, blah. you know, I'm in crisis. And then you so sweetly said, well, let's, let's get to it. And um, <laughs> no, I, I think I listened, didn't I? Hopefully. No, you did. Yes, you did. And then you're like, and it's all absolutely in alignment. As always, you know, it's another big ask of the universe. It's, yeah, it's another big ask and it's absolute and perfect alignment. Um, I think you uh-huh. told me that I'm now moving into the house of service and I thought, what do you think I've been in the last 20 something years? No, specifically then, around, like, around animals. Yeah. Yes. Specifically like, around animals. Oh. Yeah. And so that was that extra piece. It's nice to have affirmations. You know, we need to do this work in a community. It's one thing, like I feel, I always feel really guided. Even when I'm not in alignment, I know I'm in alignment. It doesn't matter what my feelings and my thoughts are. But, but it's nice to be in community where people can see you and, and you have that support and where spirit comes through and affirms and confirms because we still need that. We're still, you know, we're humans. To be clear, like your program does offer that element. It offers one-on-one, the group element, and then also like a retreat element. 
that people can work on these themes that you've been talking about. Maybe you can tell us just a little bit about what inquiry is, because that's really, it seems like it's at the heart of it, of this work. You know, inquiry is really simple and so simple, it's hard to trust. And that's really beginning to ask the question of opening to, you know, mind is, mind is serving up this, which is really our past. You know, what it's serving up is past projected onto now in order to keep us safe. And that's not wrong. But then you can ask yourself, but is that true? Like open to now, because until we do, then mind is now making now absolutely be what I think, right? Reality is free and it'll shape itself however I desire. And so whatever my, wherever my attention goes is where is how it shows itself. And if the attention is all from past, which is not conscious, it's how it works to keep us safe. Then all we're doing is repeating the past, thinking we're going somewhere, but it's like sitting where I am now painting the walls pink and thinking I've gone to a different house. Now I'm in the same house. The forms are changing. And so it starts with really just coming into the wisdom of the body and having somebody that can facilitate getting mind below the level of the neck, mind into the body, which is what, you know, where yoga is to relax deeply, to start softening and opening up to the deeper intelligence that comes from the fullness of a whole system, not being hijacked by one energy. And some of us have, we're all minds. But we all have more energy being taken from what I'd say, like at the heart center or the head center or the gut center. And so what's stealing the energy? How do I then work and be guided to be able to access the fullness of the system to then begin to ask the questions that really get to what's true? And it takes, it takes to me, a community that wants nothing from you, but everything for you and a skilled guide that knows how to traverse that because the mind is slippery. But once you get to those places, the acceptance and the, the clarity that comes from that, the freedom that comes from that, that then says, you know how to go. I know what to do now. And I'm not mistaken. And it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. It has nothing to do with my preferences, but I know what's required. And so then I can accept the consequences fully. They're mine. You know, this program is six months where as a community, it's um, a confidential community where we come together and we support each other. And through my help of of being able to support meeting people where they are, being able to uncover what gets in the way over and over. If things are going really good, now I feel like I'm that, that stutter in life where we're on the emotional roller coaster. If things are good, things are not. Things are good, things are not. Right. I got it now. No, but I don't have it. Well, that's called life, but how to be able to really find the place where all of that has meaning and purpose and where you really experience the fullness of who you are and freedom. And I think the wisdom of a group is the power that comes from a group dynamic of that, where we see ourselves in each other. You can't create that in other ways. Um, in a one-on-one only. So, you know, there will be things that will guide our attention of learning how to work with the mind. First, got to know what are we working with, really? If you got a hammer, you got to know how what the hammer, it goes, it hammers a nail, not a screw. So what are we working with? And so each week will unfold of 
a slow, gradual understanding and directing attention to get more in touch with how this body-mind system works, how your body-mind system works, and how that you know shapes differently for each of us, but yet something's the same, to be able to get to a place where we can do this for ourselves, of having a place where mm-hmm. we can stand. And then celebrating at the end. You know, which is with, with a, a retreat. So the farm that we're talking about, basically everyone could come and, and, and spend time with these horses, right? And eat Matt's quinoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as, uh, yeah, he's still an incredible chef and an, an Ayurvedic cook. And one of the things when, when Dr. Sabota would come all the time, it was all the request was always sog paneer. Mm-hmm. You make a mean one, but yeah, where well, you can experience, you know, really incredible food. Natural wonders that people come from all over the world to in all over the country, you know, to, to see. We're right here by elk herds and the National Buffalo River is the first uh, river, national river in the country and um, deemed as much. And be with the horses and be with each other and really celebrate in person uh, the accomplishments and the insights and also support further deepening and integration of that to go forward. Yeah. So if this sounds interesting, then definitely go to the show notes. You'll get the link for the program, which is called Unbridled Transformation. You can book a call with Holly. And I'm excited for you because you know it's been such a joy working with you. So I really want people to come and experience you know, what it is that you're offering. So Well, it's been great working with you and talking about saying yes to life, moving in a new way and having to get out there where I actually have been behind the scenes for my whole life. Like, like, I don't think this is arrogant. This is the truth of it. Circle of Shala was a vision that came through me. I don't say it's mine. It's the divine, but everything came through me. The the programs, um, everything is something that's come through and, and I've, you know, have visioned, but I've always lifted others up. I don't like being in the spotlight, so to speak, except for in those intimacy of sitting in circle. That's where I really thrive of being with people in that way. And then to be able to do that more specifically now outside of what we've created requires me to step more into that forefront. Yeah. That role. Yeah. And it's, and it's also your karma to do so, you know, that's that Venus is like being present (laughs) and being visible (laughs) as a teacher and as a light. So, (laughs) so you've been really great to be able to hold me accountable in that and, you know, tell me what to do, how to go. And (laughs) even though it's really uncomfortable being able to say yes to that, it's been easy to say yes, because I, I really trust you. And of course you came the way every other, every other thing comes. I said, oh gosh, okay, I'm clear and and I need help, right? I need help. <laughs> and I've never seen you before. And then you just popped up in, in my <laughs> algorithm. And like everything, there was this, this is going to sound wackadoo, but everything when I, when I receive in the way that I receive, it's a audible, it's like a, it's a hearing and it's the thing emanates a certain light. Like it just, you know, so it's very sensory. It's a very sensory rich experience for me. And that's, and I saw that and I was like, Hmm, you know, who is this, <laughs> who is this young woman? And I didn't know if you, that you were a business coach, but I was like, that's somebody that I want to, I'm feeling drawn to her. And, um, I love that, you know, you're, a, I don't know, just a beautiful, you know, young woman. And, and then I, well, we right have so much in that, common. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> and then right after that, I saw where uh, Dr. Svoboda, you know, Robbie had was referring you, was like endorsing you. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? And so then all I did was book a call. I yeah. didn't research you. I didn't do anything, but it's like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then, then I booked the call and then I said yes to what you asked for, which was a big yes for me when I'm bleeding money and uh-huh. rescue horses and winter and we're yogis, you know, we're farmer yeah. yogis. Then it was another big yes. But like everything, you know, the investment that was asked for, it was like, you know, to me, whether it's $5 or $15,000, it's it's all the same when it comes to you know saying yes to what's being asked of you. There's always reasons why I have to hold on to this, and and there's that's fine, but there's consequences to that. And I'm more um, interested in the consequences of that come through a, a yes to what I know is the next right thing, rather than the thing that comes from fear and protection and and the survival system and. So I said yes, and and it's just unfolded like everything else. It's been hard, and it's been fruitful, <laughs> and I still can't wait to find out the the bigger you know the fullness of it. And, yeah, we're yeah. still doing it. So we're still you doing know, it. I'm excited. So thank you so much. I have some rapid fire questions for you if you're okay. open. Yeah, I'll see. Yes, the first one is: What is one piece of advice that you, has really helped you in your life? Trust the order of things. You trust what's happening. And to do so requires a full embodiment of all the things that arise that say you can't trust it. Fear, logic, reason. But whatever is happening, you know, I was shown this. I don't know if anybody actually just put it into words, but it would be life's advice in the program's advice. Whatever is showing up is exactly how it's supposed to be. And I know that there's this thing of infinite potential. Oh, man, you know, infinite possibilities. Yes. No. Because whatever is showing up is the only thing that could show up based on an infinite number of things that came before it. If something else could be showing up, it would, but it's not. And so so how do I say yes to what's happening and trusting that? So the second question is, when you feel anxious, confused, or frustrated, what is the first thing you do to ground yourself? The first thing I do to ground myself is come to myself like a mother would to a, a hurt child. Because it's really what those emotions are like. You know, if there's confusion, if there's anxiety, if there's all that, there's, there's purpose in that. There's reason for that. And there's intelligence in that, but it's not whole. And so instead of rejecting that and getting busy, getting distracted of moving away from or dissociating, which I find that happens a lot through the spiritual teachings of like, just let it go. Well, it's Uh like trash. It doesn't go anywhere. It goes somewhere. (laughs) The challenge of that is the dissociation is then what you you risk. And so Mm -hmm. when I say a mother to a child, it's like meeting it fully. And accepting it. it's like, where is that confusion? When it has a lot of charge, it's my past. It's the, it's the formative years of what it was like to be confused and not be in control. And, you know, all the things of not having that frontal lobe development and, you know, all those things that, you know, are necessary to, to, to develop properly um, as far as, you know, external circumstances. 
And so can I come to it and meet it? So the first thing I do is I come to myself and I welcome it. So I take it in and down. So if it's fear, it's like I come to it and say, and literally my mantra is welcome fear. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Because it's arising for a reason, even if it is for the reason that's from my past formative years, that's a little girl afraid. And when I welcome it, that's opening to it. And that's also healing the little girl that's still in there and turning to her with the love that she needed. And I can do it now. And so would you ever turn a, a ch- afraid child if, you know, if one of your, ch- if you're, you, you can imagine you're, you've got a new puppy and it's like a child and it's storming and your dog's oh, afraid yeah. of thunder and lightning. Do you say, get over that? Just ignore yeah. that. <laughs> Let that go. You're fine. No, you go, come, come to me. Mm-hmm. So I do that for myself. And as soon as I, I do that, it. it's like taking in food. It gets digested. The body is always present. You know, you get these teachings like be here now. Well, what does that mean? You know, where else are we? You're there and I'm here. Where else am I? But am I really ever, are we here? Right. So be here mm-hmm. now. Come to the body. It's always present. Mine, not so much. Not so mm-hmm. much. Be with. And then it's like taking in your food and then it gets digested and then it gets transmuted mm-hmm. like your food. Speaking of food, the next question is, what is your favorite hot beverage? I do love a good brevet. I do love a good espresso with half and half. I love uh, chai. But one of my favorites, um, particularly in the winter, is milk and turmeric and ghee and a little bit of honey and black pepper and sometimes ashwagandha. Really that deal because I love... I love milk. I love that fat. <laughs> and we get our milk from a local, little, simple little family homestead that's the organic and really beautiful practices and gets delivered here. It's got cream like this thick on the glass jar. And oh my gosh, that makes some beautiful warm milks. And that's probably my favorite go-to in the winter. You can tell I'm pretty high Vata. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I'm doing turmeric lattes every day in the winter. Yeah. So tell me what your last meal on earth would be. Well, I'm a soup person. I know that doesn't sound very exciting, but I'm going to have soup morning, noon, and night. And so it'd be a really, it'd be a really hearty broth with um, rice noodles and vegetables. You know, more of like a, a Thai soup. Matt makes incredible, you know, rich Asian soups with your leeks and, you know, scallions and all of that. Probably mm. an egg on top. Yeah, I love that. I could live off of that. And then to be fully honest, there would be a side of fries. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to go anyway, right? You just eat those fries and I, you're like, rom, rom. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, yeah, I, um, I love my potatoes, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love French fries. Do you have a morning routine and what part, if any, is non-negotiable? My morning routine changes being on the farm because it's my morning routine really is about waking up and, uh, coming to myself, dropping in, making sure I'm breathing, (laughs) you know, or that course I'm breathing, I'm alive, but you know, like being, I am breath itself, stretching the body, coming to myself, you know, because I don't want to just jump out of bed because, you know, my mind, it's a, it can be a scary place. 
you know, if you didn't sleep well, you had dreams, whatever, you know, you wake up and you, you know, I don't want to wake up and be a machine. I don't want to wake up and spark my first action to be solely from an operating system that's unconscious and knows what to do. And so I really want to wake up because I, I don't, I want to wake up with gratitude. You know, I come to myself, I breathe. I don't want to wake up because I'll, I'll be honest. It doesn't sound like it with how um, audacious, you know, my, my life looks and how I look, but my mechanical pattern is fear itself. I'm terrified. And that's the truth of it. I'm, I'm in danger all the time. I, my, the operating system is always perceiving danger. And that makes me, it made me great in corporate and made me great here because I'm always already foreseeing the problems and I'm getting to them before they ever there, which is, so there's nothing. So that's what I'm saying. There's something good about how we each operate. We don't need to vilify it. We just need to see how it actually also interferes and is not always true. And so, but I, I wake up and if I really embody it, it's unconscious. It's the way it works. I don't, you know, I just get up and I'm moving from that place and then I'm misperceiving. I'm projecting from onto all kinds of things and I'm missing the mark, so to speak. And so I take time to embody myself. That's really what yoga is to come to myself, like, you know, like we just did and allow time to just have all that digested so that my first step out of bed is a step in presence grounded in gratitude and knowing that I have the ability to respond with whatever's happening. So I don't have to start perceiving trouble. I can just be with then the rest of the day. Sometimes, you know, the horse has gotten out and I think I'm going to go and sit and do some pranayama and kriyas and meditate. Instead, I'm being asked to go uh, wrangle horses. Well, I can be in my breath and I can be present. I can do all of that now with the horses. It's just going to look different. And so how do I respond to my life? And so I do love cardio cardio work. I love sauna, daily saunas. I take long walks. I think that's the most important movement we can be doing as we get older is to walk and walk a lot on uneven ground. And I do strength training and I do take, you know, asana postures, but Yoga is more than trikonasana. It's like this posture now. What is this? What does this posture feel like? And then can, mm. you know, what does it feel like? You're dropping so many gems here. So thank you for, for all of that. So tell us about a person who inspires you and why. Who inspires me? <laughs> I don't know that there's actually, I've been inspired by so many people. And so really I'm inspired all the time by the people that come to the farm. So I don't think I can really say one person. What inspires me is seeing how the bravery, I'm always inspired by people's bravery. Um, I'm inspired by people's vulnerability. I'm inspired by people who listen to themselves and act and they're afraid anyway. I've been inspired by so many alcoholics. I've sat in rooms with what I would consider spiritual giants that just look like everyday people that meets such adversity with a willing heart of surrender and service. I'm inspired by people who serve. So that encompasses, encapsulates a lot of people I know. Tell us something that people might not know about you. I was in the military. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, they don't think of Wow, cool. Yeah. So tell us what you're reading right now, or if there are books that you would suggest to people to better understand some of the things that you've been talking about. Yeah, I just finished Michael Singer's book, The Surrender Experiment. I really love his teaching and and it was exciting because it really, yes, he's charting that book. I'm charting my life. Like I'm just saying, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. And and so again, it's sometimes nice to get affirmations. It's like, you know, somebody I said, why are you reading that? You don't really need that. And I said, well, I'm going through another big change. And it's just nice to be able to say, you know, to be able to look out and know and to be affirmed, you know, that things are exactly as they're supposed to be. And so I would recommend that book uh, to learn what it means to really step into the flow of life and say yes, which has nothing to do with preference. I'm also reading, I think her name is Emota Ma, um, but it's Embodied Enlightenment. And that's really beautiful. Halfway up the mountain, you and I discussed that recently. That's a standby. You know, I've always got that sitting out. And that's one of those that you can do like I like, which I also do in the mornings. Part of my morning routine before I get out of bed is also have some daily devotionals that I read. And then I'll grab a book and just, you know, say what is needed for today. You know, just start off by affirming that there is a, I am connected and I open the book and then see what start reading. And so I use halfway up the mountain like that. And it's Uh brilliant. It's brilliant. I love that. And yeah, we were talking about this in the context that Dr. Sabota showed up at my house and left it here for me. Oh, (laughs) he did. I I now have a copy. So yeah. So this is the last question is just what is something that's bringing you joy right now? Well, you know, this, this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess I I should rephrase that question because people say that sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm asking about like literally right now and what this is what's happening. So (laughs) good. Uh, I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hope it's helpful. You know, these moments are for me because I get to, I get to remember, you know, rejoin Mm. all of these things that really leave me in awe all the time. Like I could never have created this myself. My God, even the tragedies, same. I feel the same in them because there's, there's so much in them. But joy right now, you know, the farm, the horses, just, just life. You know, the work is really to bring you the work that I do and the work that I want to share with others is how to really come to the ground of being, which is joy itself, that we touch every now and then. You know, everybody's has an experience of awe where everything stops, and but, not, but everything's still going, and it's just so perfect. That's who we are. You know, beingness, intelligence, consciousness, you know, being that is conscious and love itself. You know, in the yoga tradition, it's sat, chit, ananda, beingness, that's conscious and love itself. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. or fortunately, both, because we're human, and I think this is what, what one of our traditions calls the fall, you know, the mm-hmm. Christian tradition is the fall, is then we forget through our humanness and all of our experiences, and we become a person, a being. It's not safe that needs to get more information, needs to know. I need to know and is in need of love. And that's, that's the human experience. And the truth underneath that is we are being, not a being, being 
that is fully conscious and love itself, bliss body, mm-hmm. both. And we think we're either got to be an, it's an either orness rather than all and allness. Yeah. And so how to touch that. And so just being alive is just freaking joyful to me. And that doesn't mean things go <laughs> like I want them to. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom. Thanks for having great talking me. To you. It's been fun. It's been fun. I hope you have a beautiful day. I'll see you on our call next week. I can't wait. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeff 